question burning on everyone's mind is, is retail shrink as catastrophic as it's painted in the media? Mark Self, what do you think? I think it's worse than how it's being painted in the media. I mean, for me, there's more than a few proof points. When you have a CNN reporter literally interviewing a store manager at Walgreens and somebody's on camera walking out with a bunch of stuff and the interviewer says, hey, did they pay for that? This is worse than catastrophic. This is like the apocalypse for retail, in my view. I'm sure there's tons of reasons why, but it used to be that loss prevention, and I'm sure Gus can talk, talk to this, loss prevention used to be something that wasn't spoken about widely because a lot of it was coming from inside the store. Things like sweethearting, where a cashier would kind of wink and let you go true without paying, or people taking things from the back of the store. Those are all uh, problems for retailers, and there were problems that they tried to address, but they weren't problems that they tried to highlight or promote. Now you've got flash mobs literally smashing through an Apple store in uh, Philadelphia and running out, literally running over police people to get out of the store. And then you have some of our members in Congress saying things like, well, they're just trying to feed their families. This is worse than catastrophic, in my view, and it's societal, and it's it's more. I, you could, I don't know, I don't know what retailers should be expected to do about it because, to me, seeing merchandise behind locked plated glass or whatever those partitions are that I'm seeing in the news, and expecting people to be happy with that shopping experience, that's not going to work either. So, I think this is really, really bad, and. Towns and, and counties need to think through how what they're going to do to augment retailers' own efforts. One other thing that's on my mind, and then I'll pass on to some of the other speakers, there's been some, some noticeable trends from companies where they're giving police people free coffee. And now you've got a situation where different retailers, I forget if it was Walmart. Walmart, I think it was, is doing something special in the Atlanta area where they're giving police officers a place where they can hang out. So now you've got retailers promoting for attention from local law enforcement. And in my opinion, that doesn't really work either because other people are going to jump in and someone gives you free donuts and someone else is going to give you a free hamburger. And, and really, the core problem is theft is happening and is very visible. Yes. Do you agree with this? Oh, oh, absolutely. I mean, we as an, a digital newspaper, you know, collect data on organized retail crime and we report it in one of our report, exclusive report. And so far, just mid-year this year, we've seen a 36% increase in the caseload in the first quarter, a 4% increase, a little bit of subsiding in the second quarter, which means ORC cases on average were up about 18% this year alone. In a full number perspective, one of the other things that we're seeing is average case value is up 95%. The average case value, the dollar amounts are up 131%. So it is, it is a much more sophisticated and aggressive situation that's going on in the stores than it's ever been. That kind of runs hand in hand with what, you know, even the, the FBI crime index said recently, a couple of weeks ago, when they reported, you know, violent crime. Retail actually represents 60% of all violent crime victims in the United States in 2022. Larceny is up 7%. Property crime is up over 7%. So they're in, those are numbers from the law enforcement agencies. Actually, they had more agencies reporting them than in history. 
you know, they're not really apprehending, following through and prosecuting that many shoplifters because of the progressive movement, because of the decriminalization, the lowering of the threshold, felony thresholds and such. So there, there's been this whole push to decriminalize the shoplifting period across the board. So where do you draw that line between what's shoplifting and what's ORC when the professional knows that if he only steals $800 worth, $900 worth, he's not going to get a felony. Okay. And, and oftentimes the cops will just give him a ticket and won't even take him into the, to the jail or, you know, the station and process it because, of, you know, the police departments are overworked, understaffed, and, you know, the jails are, are just filled to the brim. And the judges just don't have the space. And let me add to that, Gus. I mean, you're a legend in the industry, and you also know probably Joe Cole, who is the vice president of loss prevention for Macy's. And one of the things that he did, you know, one of the things that Peter Drugger says, you, you can't manage what you can't measure. And sometimes we don't know what's leaving the stores. We don't know what's being stolen from the stores until you take a physical inventory or what have you. Joe Cole worked with my former company to install these smart exits where you have not only alarming, but you've got RFID and it's tied to me. So you probably heard this story, but in Queens, Queens Macy's, they actually caught a guy not only stealing a boatload of Ralph Lauren items, but he stole a suitcase to wheel it out. They followed him. They followed him all the way out to a fence location, which happened to be a beauty shop in Queens. And these investigators went in with the with these little handhelds and put them in their back, back and went into this beauty shop. And lo and behold, they went downstairs and there was $90,000 worth of Macy's clothing down there. But here's the thing, because of RFID and everything serialized, they were able to determine that a portion of that was from the Queens store, a portion of that was from a San Diego store, and another portion was from Chicago. So there has to be some kind of standards from a standpoint of understanding what's leaving the stores, what eBay is selling. There needs to be some kind of a certification to say this is either counterfeit or it's legit. So we need to get to that point to give law enforcement you know, the tools to be able to say, that's you who stole it because I saw the video and I saw the items that left the store. I think $90,000, Ted, that's chump change. Those people need to up their... Up I, their no. <laughs> well, RFID is obviously a, a big solution from a standpoint of recovery, identification and such. But not all the retailers can afford that. And then that's something that's been, last 20 years, they've been fighting for and fighting for. And, you know, the price of eggs are down, obviously, but it's still not applicable to probably 60, 70% of the retailers out there. You know, certainly Walmart and Target, I mean, they're pretty much into the RFID rollout, and that should have a massive impact. So I, I agree with you on that. That's so guys, if you, Chase, you originally asked a question of. Let me intro Pedro because. In a, a late, late, late entry into the conversation, but he was, he was meant to be here at the beginning, some technical difficulties. So Pedro, welcome to the stage. He's from, he's the chief revenue officer at Apris Retail, over 20 years in fraud and loss prevention experience. One of the best. Former, former, best. former AVP of loss prevention at Half Mark Stores. So thank you. Thank you. Welcome to the stage. But apologies for joining late. I just want to thank my friend that one of the largest software companies for all their privacy and security technology. <laughs> no, I, I do agree that you asked the question, is, is the retail shrink problem overblown? If you look at the data that's coming out of the NRF study, it suggests up actually 20%. It is clear from my conversations with some of my 
ex-co-workers and partners in this industry, and they're all still my partners and friends, that the violence they're experiencing, you know, 20 years ago, 25 years ago, I was actually one of those folks in the stores. You know, in my entire career, I probably would experience three to four violent acts a year. And I worked in some tough, tough neighborhoods. Today, the conversations we're having with industry actually with my industry peers is that this is, you know, the average store detective or store associate in the asset protection field, unprovoked, is dealing with violence several times a day and actually encountering weapons on a regular basis. A little scary. I mean, not for everyone, right? Associates, loss prevention professionals, store associates, and the public at large. So it's clear that violence, ORC, are at least the violence seems to have escalated. And I think we're hopefully we're coming out of the end of what was a kind of tumultuous four years, what will be four years next March of a very kind of tumultuous retail environment and just the you know, overall societal environment. Hopefully we'll start to normalize in, in late 2024. Well, I don't think that went in that URC number, quite frankly, that with proliferation of online so- oh, absolutely. So what we do see in our own customer base and prospect base are the requests for online fraud prevention. So our technologies are analytical, which basically are backward looking and analyzing trends and pre- predicting some future trends. And the other technology we have actually stops behavior at store level in real time, which is returned in my brief six months here. At this new organization, the requests for online fraud protection have exploded and by at least 40% compared to last year's requests. A lot of that is being perpetuated by what's going on. ORC has been try to find different vehicles to distribute their merchandise. And not only distribute it, but the return merchandise flash mobs, for example, right? They, they pick up the stuff. They have no receipts. They want to return it. And... They, in a lot of times, try to just convert that to cash and launder product back into cash at the retail stores they sold it from. Yeah, one point, and I'll hand it over to you guys. We do a retail violence fatality report every year and have been doing it now for eight, nine years. And just this past year in, in 2022, there were 694 violent fatalities in the retail industry. Now, that's as a result of a crime, something that happened in the store or as a result of a store incident, 17% up from 2022 and 86% up from 2016. And that's, we're only reporting what is publicly reported. We're not reporting confidential information or information that is associated with any one retailer. This is what the news outlet is reporting. This is what they are reporting. So, and there's a, you know, there's a distinction there. But nonetheless, you can follow those trends all the way to the FBI crime stat. And it kind of, they go hand in hand, quite frankly. And from an ORC perspective, it's, it's also much bigger than what a lot of us have even been thinking about. In that, we have recently found that a large manufacturer of apparel of the retail industry and a group of them, 
and we won't name the country or the companies, are experiencing some unbelievable cargo theft issues. And that apparel is made for the America, our country. Headed to the same ship and ends up in the United States. And that in merchandise is probably being sold on the marketplaces, obviously. There's a huge channel there happening as well that we're going to be reporting on in the next month, by the way. So I'll pass it on to you guys. Plus, the, the, the number of fatalities mentioned in that report, to me, somewhat, even though I think it's, I still think it's ludicrous, but it somewhat endorses some of the procedures in place by companies like Lululemon that have famously said, we don't want our employees to do anything when someone comes in and shop less let it go, right? So they're, it, it endorses the fact that they're trying to protect their associates. And yet, conversely, when you make it public that hey, no one in the store is going to do anything about it if you come in and, and steal, that's, to me, putting like putting up a sign saying, you know, pay if you want, because we're not going to do anything to prevent you from just taking it. It's a, it's a double-edged sword that doesn't have a very good answer, in my view. Right. Customers we had a conversation earlier about RFID and overall controls on inventory. There are ways to target by minimizing the exposed product, the amount of product that is exposed on the sales floor and subject to, to, to loss. Now, there's all kinds of other costs associated with that. It means you have to cycle product more often and train associates. I mean, there are legitimate reasons to publish to associates that you don't want them involved. I mean, you think about what retailers had to do, they went from closed locations to suddenly having to open the doors. Yeah. When it comes to people, you can't just turn the lights on. You need to find people in one of the worst labor markets we have seen. And that labor market was already kind of in place when we had COVID. It just got exacerbated. Not to mention all the competition from the gig economy where, you know, I have two kids. They're working age kids. They're adults, but they're kids. And the reality is they don't want to be exposed to this. And so they find out al alternatives to go to work with. So these stores have to stay open, have to find ways to minimize the exposure or at least harden the target in a way that it uses inventory levels and other protective measures. So it makes it more difficult or more laborious for the ORC actor or booster to come in and try to lift the product. If there's very minimal product on the shelf, it's not worth going in. And it makes it for a better environment and more safe environment for these associates. But I don't think that's, I mean, we've spent quite a bit of time talking about ORC. But if you look at the data, there's other and some of, of the retailers, some of the big retailers that start to kind of reevaluate their positions. I think there's a lot of other issues driving the shrink numbers. I was just going to say, I think I think that 9-11, and I don't want to draw 11, but this is kind of retail's 9-11 moment where we have to wake up as to how we enter and exit stores. And, and I think that if you think about Costco, you think about BJ's, they don't have quite as much of a of a theft problem because A, you got to be a, a member to get in there. B, you get checked on the way out. So I think there could be at some point, a, a not a TSA, but some kind of a TSA scenario where it's not as easy just to leave a store with a, a, a bag of items or, or what have you. That that item, those items have to go through something that is almost like a conveyor belt that basically scans everything via video or 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 RFID. And 
to make it a, a safe process to where it's safe, but it's also uh, secure and it's also uh, something that is, is fast for the customer. I think we got to figure that out because we we now we've we've adjusted ourselves when we go to the airport. We know we're going to add another half hour to forty five minutes to get to the airport, knowing that we have to deal with that line. I think we've got to figure it out in retail and use the technology so that we can move people through safely and also scan everything that goes through. Well, well, well intentioned. I, I think that you know that's going to have a dramatically negative impact on store environment and the quote unquote shopping experience. I mean. Wouldn't you love to get on a plane and and not go through TSA checkpoints? That's been gone for, what, 30 years now? It does nothing to enhancing the experience. It's To your point, Ted, it lengthens the experience. I think if I'm going to name a store, I'm not going to be real excited about doing it if if I know that I've got to add another 30 minutes to my journey. Just an observation. I agree with you that something pragmatic needs to happen but I'm not sure what the answer is when you've got, we've been talking a little bit in veiled terms about organized crime, but when you've got a flash mob that just runs through a store and taking whatever they want, I mean, did you see the Philadelphia video? With yeah. that store? There's like nothing left for anybody to drink. That is going to be a dry, dry block for a while because all the liquor has been stolen. Right. Well, the young people, the young people are absolutely ahead of law enforcement when they use the social media and technology and that's usually always the case the criminal always has the advantage in the beginning right a number of reasons obviously from privacy issues i mean that whole litany of you know privacy issues like i said but in we really haven't had as a law enforcement either public or private the manpower to really monitor social media to the point where we can prevent these or react you know, in real time. I mean, it's always a, a reactive mode that they move into. And by that time, you've got 300 kids there beating up cops. And, and they're kids. Yeah. And by the way, this isn't just happening in the United States. I mean, this is happening simultaneously. The exact same thing in the UK is going on in Canada, and it's going on in a number of other countries. So this is not some phenomenon for the United States. This is the retail industry as a whole. So, for almost from a global perspective, but look. And you know, there was a bank robber back in whatever by the name of Willie Sutton, and, and he famously said, Why do you rob banks? And he said, That's where the money is. And it seems to me that now the money's in retail. Yeah. yeah. You know, there yeah. is, it's just an Apple store. There's hundreds of thousands, probably millions of dollars worth of equipment in there. And that's yeah. where the money is. So, yeah. some, something has to happen. Well, I think this is not only our 9-11, but this is also our COVID moment where we need all the different, the governments, the local governments, the authorities, the retailers, technology companies all working together. I mean, you've got a, go- a guy like Governor Gavin Newsom is putting, they may not be enough, but $267 million into a whole effort to stop this. And he says, you're going to steal, you're going to go to jail. And so we need more of that in supporting the stores. And I, and I know that that is, you know, it, it, that may be. It may not be enough, but I think that's what we need to do. Yeah, so Ted, you make a great point. I think the industry is doing a great job educating law enforcement, both at regional all the way up to national, in light of the recent national legislation. And it's also using technology, for example, to shut down the the way that stuff gets laundered. I mean, nobody's going to need 20 Louis Vuitton bags uh, or 50 
rounds of lipstick, lipstick, maybe Gus does, but you know, the average person doesn't. They need a place to, to resell the product. And the digital marketplaces is where they typically go. So there is federal legislation, but there are technologies where we can help stop this problem by enhancing the security measures in digital marketplaces to prevent some of this stuff from so from getting to that just started, Pedro, with the informant. I mean, it's correct to trying to regulate them at least, but it's only the first step, which everyone obviously is aware. But you still re- you're still requiring the merchants or the, the the operators of the digital marketplaces to manage thousands upon thousands of resellers, which you're putting them in, in the role of being police of their own marketplaces. And generally, you, Gus, you know as well as I do, they will react. I think they're social conscious when someone notifies them of a potential problem, they'll investigate it. But to ask them to monitor every single person, you're basically it's the, the comment that Ted made earlier. And the conversation Ted and Mark had, you, we could put gates at the front of every store and it, Ted, some of the Europeans do that, but it just becomes a burden on everyone else. So there are, those measures are in place, but there's technologies that can actually enhance the ability to stop that behavior at the, at the actual marketplace. One thing that strikes me as we talk is that Eventually, sadly, all of these costs, whether it's technical or more law enforcement or go police the uh, commerce sites, those costs are going to get larded back on to all of us at every level of socioeconomic stratum. And it's going to be larded on as additional costs. We're going to, everybody's going to. So kind of coming back very briefly to an earlier theme in our conversation, I think this is, this is a societal problem. It's not just a retail problem. I remember, and I'm dating myself, but I, I don't know how old I was. I literally took like a, a, a single BB gun target. It, must, it was like less than a penny. And the, the dude followed me out of the store. I was hiding. It was some other, like my first my one and only attempt at shoplifting. The guy popped me in the parking lot, and I never touched anything again. I was like less than a penny. I was scared to death. That would never happen now. And no. and I'm not saying I'm not. I'm also not trying to make a point for the quote unquote good old days. I just think that this is a huge societal problem it, that is more than just on the retailers. And if I may inject one point there, there are a number of communities right now that are actually going to some of these retailers. And asking them, why aren't you doing something to stop our kids, you know, from coming into the store? There's one particular incident that we reported. A high school gets out at three o'clock, 20, 30 kids go to this one store. They steal the heck out of it. And everybody just stays in the fair and watches them. And the manager says, well, that's because we can't touch them. They go over to a smaller store and the store manager standing by the door and won't even allow them in. We've got community leaders throughout the country going to some of these retailers, asking them, to get involved in, in kind of getting up about it. But once again, you know, you got the retailer in, in all kinds of liability, and they don't want anyone to get hurt over a shirt or a blouse or a candy bar. I mean, that's ridiculous. Yeah, I think we all agree that this is, uh, Mark, I completely agree. And we now know that Mark is an admitted shoplifter. So uh, <laughs> I think we all agree that that is a larger societal problem. Absolutely. But if you go back to, you know, Chase's original question, if you look at the NRF study, you know, retailers who responded to this are still telling you, regardless of what's in the headlines, that 
over 50% of it, of strength, still attributed back to some type of an internal process issue, internal associate issue. And if I recall correctly, I'm still back to the old days when I was, now we're back to the old days. That was our focus, right? Fix the process, fix the issue. If you look about at, at any grow, any retailer that's in the grocery business, I don't think anybody's doing flash mobs at perishable products or any of those other things. So there's still a significant focus that needs to take place, given the current labor market, given turnover, on training issues, on basic strength prevention principles, inventory controls, basic ordering, analyzing data to determine where your issues are, and RFID is one of those components. There's still a lot of basic blocking and tackling that the industry can take. And it's starting to focus on, again, from my conversation years. I was at LPRC two weeks ago, for those of you who don't understand, it's Loss Prevention Research Council at the University of Florida, for the listeners that may not be familiar with it. And I had several conversations with retailers and a couple of other solution providers. Now, the conversation, although it remains important to focus on RC and crime and all these other issues, the start kind of focusing, again, back inside the box on their internal process and other training issues and associate theft, right, which does continue to, to be an issue, right? So, so when does a barcode turn into, say, full-on RFID? I mean, if, if Carter's with an AUR of under $10 per item can put a five-cent tag on, I think just about anyone can, except for <laughs> small trinket items. But when does, what I love about RFID is it serializes every item. So if you can certify that item based on a serial license plate, you're going to try to return that. You know what? They're going to know exactly where that came from. It was stolen. If you've got the gates to show it, you got the gates to show who stole it. So, and at some point, do we ever have some kind of a, uh, some kind of a body that keeps track of that, a knock, if you will, that they see Razor Blaze just got stolen from the Target on Route 9 in Framingham, and then all of a sudden, the Walmart gets hit on Route 9 heading west. So now you know, maybe at the third store where the Razor Blades are, that they're, they're, that, that you can hit them at the third store. I mean, Rudy Giuliani talked about the broken, I hate to use the name, but the broken window concept of all these train cars that were getting painted with graffiti. And what he did is he hit them every time. They got painted, he put them in, and he washed them every night. And so when you have but you, when you have graffiti, everything else looks bad, everything else is a blight. And so, but if you hit them back every time and hit them quickly, I think they're 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 not they're not gonna do it. They're not gonna do it as much anyways. So as we wrap up, pick one of your favorite solutions. And we've established there is a problem. I think most was the consensus here that it was as bad as it as the headlines say, or even worse. Or is there anyone who is on the side of it's not as bad as they say? Yeah, bad. definitely is bad. Definitely okay. bad. If you had to choose one solution, it's probably a holistic thing, right? It's 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 a lot of things. But what is one solution that retailers that you would put your money on? Very RFID. Yeah, I'm gonna have a biased answer. So, I'm trying not to make this a sales pitch. I'm trying to really make this. I, I think the solutions are going to be. The evolution of technology is going to do this. I think RFID and proper inventory controls are going to be critical to stopping external theft. But I think solutions that help retailers take as much of the decision process out of the employee's hands as possible and automate that decision process and then focus their employees' training on core issues, things just going to provide general overall better benefits, right? 
I am also like the rest of my peers, except that seems to be younger than I am. I have lived through several of these cycles. They are a little bit magnified because of social media. Inevitably, I've always fallen back on where can I focus on best practices back to core. And I, you know, just pointed it out. I think law enforcement is taking a very passive and process and they're trying to come back. So my solutions are technology because that's kind of where I made my decision and pivot. But being similar to a technology solution. I, I would say oh, this is probably 65% tongue but 35%. I, I'd put the baddest looking Wagner mercenary in front of every store and just have them fully vested. I bet they wouldn't have to touch anybody. They just stand there and be bored all day. I, I would do something very provocative and very visible. Like the German Shepherds in New York City? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I have these things in the, with, with the masks on and growling at uh, stuff and uh, Oh, the dog is over well, Gus. That's going to go well over. So, you're <laughs> The German shepherds for New York City. Everybody go out and start. Oh, I know two retailers that did it. Gus, what was what was your uh, number one solution? I would I would say there there's two things. No, picking uh, the rules, only one. <laughs> I got to say the other thing. Okay. It is passing the current federal organized retail crime legislation in Congress. Uh, that's an absolute necessity to truly get it on the boards not just within retail, but in the law enforcement community as a whole. A lot of this money that's being going into the into the law enforcement locales like Newsom's and all around the country, you know, doesn't really end up going to fighting ORC. I mean, there's got to be a big percentage of that that's probably going to be siphoned off in other places to support it. But anyway, I don't mean to go there, but, you know, we have, the NRF has a huge effort right now uh, on the 26th, tomorrow, I believe, or, or is it? It's the 26th for fight retail crime effort, which is, you know, what they're doing is kind of bringing all the people together in the industry in order to be able to communicate with their local representatives and senators and such and show their support of, you know, the federal legislation. I mean, we need this just to get on the blackboard because right now, if you look at the FBI crime index, we really can't determine anything about ORC there. It was hard enough to get shoplifting on the thing years ago. So that's one thing. Okay. So if it's NRF, fight retail crime day, look it up on the net, on the web, and jump in and get involved. And the second thing I'd like to say is facial recognition. I sincerely believe that that is a necessity to increase the safety and the security of every box out there as long as there are parameters and it's handled accordingly bottom line those are my two solutions i think really three actually still let's up to a mind effort i just let him go it we put all well he's idly out i had yeah we had rfid we had technology good answer pedro we had a guard or some kind of physical presence knowing that people walk through the door. And then Gus's answer, facial facial recognition. 
This has been a, such an insightful conversation. Oh, did you have a? I, a I just want one 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 more observation for for my colleagues here and for you too, Chase. I I would so I strongly suggest that we stop calling it loss prevention. It's theft. Loss prevention is like it sounds like we're making an excuse for something. It's theft, whether it's coming out through the back door or a sweet arting or it's flash mobs or it's organized crime. The industry should talk about kind of I don't know militarizing its language about this. Because it's go backwards to security. Yeah, yeah, exactly. All right, Pedro. I so anyway, yeah, I I, I support Pedro and security. So what, one thing that people forget about is that loss. There's the loss, and then there's the loss to sell it to the next customer. The beauty, I'll go back to it. RFID is that when those items leave the store, you know they're gone, so you know to replenish them right away. Versus the next week, the next month, Macy's counts their entire store once a month. You're going to wait 30 days to replenish those items, especially the items that just came in for the season. You're out of stock. So it's important to know what left. And so you know what left, you know how to measure your your results. And that's that's the key thing for me. The very good point. Very good point. All good points. Guys, this has been such an insightful conversation for me to be part of. I feel lucky to be here. And I'm, I'm sure I'm sure the audience feels the same. We'll be sharing this across different social channels. We'll have clips and we'll have a replay available that we can share with, you know, any of your colleagues or friends or anybody else that you think it was would would benefit from this. Um, thank you all for being here. Yeah.